Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are rejoined by the always awesome and fantastic Christian Dobson. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Chris. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Much better than I was yesterday, and I'm glad you... I hope you are feeling as fantastic as you are fantastic. <laughs> uh, my alternate take that I wish I introed with was editor extraordinaire, um, adding that on as well, because, dude, you you make our Into the Weeds episodes uh, sound so good. Um, really? And, oh, yeah, dude, dude. Um, or the episode or any of the other episodes you've been so kind enough to edit um, mm. when we've done like derailed or uh, some of the other let's talk about episodes where it's been myself, you, uh, Tom and Mike. Um, Darko. Uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, Darko, Dar- Darko hasn't been on a let's talk about it. He's been on a derailed. Oh, yeah. But when we recorded our our first group, let's let's talk about Darko couldn't be there. Um mm. So, yeah, no, dude, I got some good feedback about it. But even even uh, for myself, when I was hearing the episode, I'm like, you could not tell unless we specified beforehand that we're chatting over Skype. Mm. Um, Like it sounds like we're in the same room. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. So you do a fantastic job. Uh, So I just wanted to to shout you out in a big, bad way on that. Um, Thanks, man. To. To your face. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> to my face. <laughs> um, so today, sir, we are going into the weeds, but it is an episode that you prompted. Um, <laughs> we watched The Frighteners, sir, the director's cut. Classic, classic Peter Jackson film. <laughs> pre, Pre-Lord of the Rings, Jackson. Pre-Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah, he, that's, yeah. I'm surprised that he... Um, because they they did that they, he did a he did a movie right before it uh, called um, oh crap what is it called it's about these heavenly creatures uh, these two is that the girls. sheep one <laughs> uh, no it's these these two young girls who it's like the fifties in Christchurch New Zealand and mm. um, they're uh, they basically start like they make this world for themselves they're, it's like a shared delusion. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of, like, problems with their families. And eventually they kill the mother, one of their mothers, just because they're like, oh, she's the one keeping us apart. And, um, yeah, <laughs> they, they go to jail. They get huh. out. I, I think uh, there may be, like, a law, you know, like a stipulation saying you guys can't interact with each other sort of thing. Huh. Yeah, it was interesting. They had this, this they were like, um, oh, there's this fourth heaven, which is, uh, I would like to know about the other first three. But there's this, <laughs> like one of the other three. What? Yeah, there's this fourth one that's like it's all artists and writers and and musical, um, uh, yeah, performers and stuff like that, right? Maybe it's the inverse, if I'm using that term right, uh, or the reverse of uh, the the circles of hell, which hmm. aren't a thing, but it's interesting literature. So maybe <laughs> maybe it's the reverse of that, where it's like. Ooh. Instead of circles, it's sections. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the only other, uh, not the only other one. I just know Jackson also did. I think a zombie sheep movie or something involving killer sheep. Mm. Um, it's fascinating just because he's such an uh, a insanely talented director, and I feel mm-hmm. bad for him because his he did a World War One documentary film. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I really want to. But then 
like the last major thing he's known for, I believe, I think there was a movie after the Hobbit. I just, I didn't see it. And evidently I don't believe many other people did Mm. Um, where it's just the guy's so, so talented. He just had such a rough experience with the Hobbit that that's become a punching bag. Like it's almost like whenever you bring up Jackson, it's like, Oh, the Hobbit where it's like, shut up, man. Uh, I'll bag on the Hobbit. But when we're talking about the Hobbit, uh, let's not rip apart like his great work with King Kong, although it could have used some editing, well, um, yeah. some trimming, which is something we can talk about with this. Yeah. Film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like if you, we can get into Jackson, but I don't think ripping on like if, Look at what he's done. Like, he single-handedly propped up and, and uh, like, an entire nation's film industry, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The guy, he's done some things, right? He's allowed oh, yeah. to fail well, sometimes. <laughs> he, he, he also, I think, debate, like, debatably made the best film trilogy. Yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's a feat. It's an undertaking. It's, it's like... Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a wonder of the world type of thing. <laughs> like, and I'll, I'll also say now, like, I, I can still watch the theatrical cuts because they're fantastic. Mm. But to me, the best versions of those films are the the extended. They're, yeah. they're extended in all the right way where I'm like, Return of the King, I get why they cut some of the stuff. Because you're like, okay, this is the, you have to. Because the extended is almost four and a half hours. And three and a half in the theater is pushing it. Like, yeah. heck, three is pushing it, but yeah. three and a half is... So I'm like, okay, this is, like, you absolutely have to. If you have to, I see why you cut it. But it's all stuff where I'm like, no, this is all excellent stuff. Like, these are, to me, the extendeds are the versions of those films. Yeah. Um, but we're at, we, we could get into the weeds about Lord of the Rings another time. Yeah. Today, we are talking about his, uh, his 1996 film, the Frighteners. So, Christian, you you're the one who pitched this to me. I hadn't seen this. Yeah. So, can you uh, can you tell us about this? Oh, okay. Um. Well, like it, it, like subjectively, like my experience with it was, I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and uh, realizing now that it has an R rating, and, <laughs> and watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I definitely probably should not have been watching that when I was like eight. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <laughs> or nine, I guess. Yeah, it would have been like nine or ten. Um, I was sorry. I was at a church, uh, a Mishfam Monday thing, like a mm. church group Monday night thing once, and there was somebody new there, and we were just talking. Uh, they were really into movies as well, so we were just talking about films from our childhood. And then she was like, "Oh, one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid was watching like was Clockwork Orange." Oh. What? And that's and if I ever needed a record scratch in real life, that would have been then. Uh, a buddy of mine was like, "Dude, your face was priceless." Because you yeah. were like, huh. "It's like there's what? adults who who don't understand like the subtext <laughs> and allegory for that movie." Why are well, you watching? Like, never mind. It's very. It's, I mean, ultra violence as a yeah. concept was like, and the term was coined by that movie. Oh so yeah, it, it displays it. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. Like I was saying afterwards, I was like, "What?" And it's like, not that they got defensive, but they were like, "Oh yeah, but but you're you you watch Jaws and stuff with your family." I was like, "Well, yeah, Jaws was rated. Well, Jaws was not rated R. Jaws was PG thirteen. Um, 
but even still, it's like, Jaws was intense. I'm like, yeah, but not intense in remotely the same way. Yeah, I, you're being <laughs> like, obtuse here. These are very different. Yeah, it's a disingenuous, uh, like, uh, comparison. <laughs> but it was just, like, it was just one of those things where, like, yeah, no, it, it really stood out to me as you were saying that. It's like, I probably shouldn't have been watching it since I was a kid. And I'm yeah. just like, like a clockwork orange. Yeah. Um, but uh, please, please continue. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was uh, it was directed by uh, Peter Jackson. And it was written by Peter Jackson and his, uh, not his wife at the time, but his future wife, uh, Fran Walsh. And, and they actually worked on a few movies together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was a comedy horror film. And which is to me, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm like, those are two very, like, I, I get how you can put them together, but, um, Scream would be a, a good example of how those can work. Yes. I think that's like the perfect example. It's weird. It's like, it's either you do it exactly like Scream or you don't do it at all. Right? It's, <laughs> well, but, and, and then the problem with uh, the Scream, they kept the, the first one is the one that had that balance because mm-hmm. then the as the sequels came, they were like, you're becoming the thing that you're parodying. Yeah, um, well, it was interesting. Like, 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 lovingly. But. In terms of Scream, like what was so interesting was you had these teenage like like one thing that really um, sticks out to me is that scene where they have to stab each other. And oh, dude. The, like the guy's <laughs> so like, dude, up. you stab like and, and it, it's it's really funny because it's like, yeah. Dude, yeah. that is the whole thing, right? But um, yeah. but they're acting like you would imagine teenage boys would act. So it's it's not weird. It's not lame. It's not like a weird joke. It's like yeah, they would. He would say that. He would absolutely one hundred percent say that because he's some idiot teenage kid, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it, it was really good how they they brought the humor in without having like shoehorn it in. Like the actors were just doing what they would you would imagine they would do in real life, and it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was also it, there's always that that thing of like this is disturbing as heck. Like it's almost like there's like the nervousness of it or how. Exactly. Does make it makes you sort of inclined to laugh to sort of break the tension in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, they did that, that movie is actually now like when I think about horror comedy as a genre, the movie did really well. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it was a good movie. <laughs> I'm I'm not nearly as into the horror genre as I as I used to be because in my early teens it was like oh hey horror and edgy and all stupid stuff, um, and then also you could get marathons on TV. Of like the old Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Streets and Halloweens, um, but in terms of actual horror movies that I will sit down and watch, um, like the some of the Hannibal Lecter films, because those are I say those are thriller horror where it's got the tension and everything of horror, but it's also got the intensity of a of a thriller. I, I want to say almost a political thriller, but not not necessarily political but it's just it captures your attention the whole way through like silence of the lambs is mm. is a phenomenal film psychological um, thriller. uh the first the first halloween um is still outstanding mm. uh the most recent reboot quill um <laughs> like the one from a year ago um it's crazy intense but also insanely well made. Yeah, and mead made. Um, yeah, because that was supposed to drop this year. Uh, <laughs> how do you even make that? How do you do that? Mead. I, what? Because <laughs> I can't words, man. I can't words. Chris, make better word math. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, you could uh, maybe I'll get a screenshot of just the 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 comedy of errors as Christian and I were texting last night to set up for today. I was like, I need to make better word math while typing. Um, but make better type hand. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, there's a, like those are some of the few horror movies. So also when I sat down and I, I started seeing this as a horror, I was like, oh, OK, because mm. I, I it's just not a genre I go too much. It really outside of outside it, of those movies listed and the scream ones. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like it's not it's like a horror comedy. It's like a horror. It's like a comedy first half horror last half. But I want yeah. me, we'll just I'll get okay. So yeah, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay, man. Um, <laughs> so it, it stars Michael <laughs> J. Fox in his last um, Hollywood role, like his last big movie role. Um, it also stars uh, Peter Dobson, which I thought was interesting because I share a last name with him. Um, and he he did a, a decent amount of uh, movies. He, he played Elvis Presley in Forrest Gump. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, uh, also, John Aston, and he uh, he's he's best known for starring as uh, Gomez Adams in the Adams Family from 1964 to 1966. Uh, mm. It starred uh, Jeffrey Combs. As, yes. And and we we were talking before this, and I think we agree that he was the the best acting in that movie. Yeah. Um, Just uh, uh, him and the oh, old sorry. lady, the mom, the old. Yeah. She was. Yeah good oh yeah yeah um just uh just uh toss out some stuff jeffrey holmes has done um combs 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 yep sorry uh jeffrey combs uh because i know uh some of our listeners may or may not recognize his name uh but i know i've got people who listen who enjoy uh as mike would call it the trek mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he was uh the he trek. played a couple different roles across star trek but most famously Wayun. Um, from DS9 and the various clones of Wayun. Um, mm-hmm. And he was also showed up in some of the DC animated stuff. Uh, fantastic actor. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, man. He did, he did, um, uh, I know, he, he was in uh, House on Haunted Hill and I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. And, oh, wow. Um, he was Ratchet in Transformers Prime. Uh, he was the leader in Avengers Earth's, Might- Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, Rat oh, King and that's in a Teenage great role for him. Yeah, yeah, he he did a lot of really cool uh, comic book stuff. But yeah, so he yeah he was he plays. Uh, we'll get into it. He he did it. He did it really well. Um, it also there was also a really interesting like um, uh, Arlie Emery, uh, the guy who played um, Full Metal Jacket, the uh, the drill yes. sergeant. Yes, he's Ooh. in it. And once he played that role, he's always that guy. Yeah, he <laughs> like. And he, yeah, he plays basically that guy in this movie, but he's a ghost. It's pretty cool. <laughs> when he like when he like he comes up, and I'm like, wait, is that? I'm like, he's, I thought he was doing a really good impression, or it is. And then like I I yeah. researched the movie after, and I'm like, oh, it's literally him. That is so cool that they got him to reprise this yeah. role as like like I don't know. That was really neat. And um, lastly, as the the main antagonist, uh, Jake Busey, who's a, a yes. brother of uh, Gary Busey, right? Right. I, I forgot that. I knew he was a Busey. I just couldn't remember if he was brother or Gary Busey's also has at least one son uh, mm. who is acting. He his son played a character in the terrible Predators movie that came out a year or so ago. Oh, sorry. He played uh, his dad's character's son um, oh. in the movie. So I was like, oh, cool. They got the son to play the son of the character that is 
real life father played. Interesting. Jake Busey is his son. Um, okay. I, yeah, because like to me, like I remember last time I remember seeing Gary Busey was probably like fifteen, almost twenty years ago. So I'm like, I'm looking at his face, <laughs> I'm looking at Busey's face, I'm like, was it about the same age? But was it I'm with Busey? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that show. We should do an episode on that show. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm in. Mind. Oh my gosh, I'm in. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. So. I think- in a weird way, I think that show was before its time. If it oh, came out, if it came yes. out in the past ten years, yeah, it would have had its audience. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, one hundred percent ahead of its time. And I remember seeing it, and I'm, I just, I was just so blown away. I'm like, is this real? <laughs> yeah, is this, is this real? Well, life? that's the thing. It was like <laughs> it was it was the mockumentary before mockumentaries. Yes, like The Office had that problem, and they they talk about that in the outstanding um, an oral history of The Office podcast, which. Listener, if you're a fan of The Office, find this podcast. It's produced by uh, and hosted by Brian Baumgartner, the guy who played Kevin. Mm. Dude is a terrific narrator, but there's interviews with uh, so many people involved in the production, like Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, um, but then the cast, the crew. um, It's just so fascinating. Mm. Um, But they even say, like, with the British office, it made sense because there was those little like docudramas out. So it knew what it was parodying in America. It didn't have that. So they're like, okay, we've got to figure out how we can keep this, the document, the documentary part, but make it work. Hmm. Um, I'm with Busey maybe came out before the office or oh, around did, the same time. It did, well, no, it 100%. Okay. Before. Yeah. I remember but being it, like, like 13 or something and watching. <laughs> but the only, the only like documentary, the, like the only reality shows at the time were like the Osbournes and, and maybe a couple episodes of survivor. I'm 16 so, and pregnant. <laughs> or so, like they hadn't even gotten to the mockumentary territory. Yeah. If that show came out now, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this makes so much sense. It's, it's sort of messed up because it's like it's not fair because you're taking this guy who everyone knows is mentally ill and it's like is he acting but he is an actor so it's like what is this just like a sick joke <laughs> like what's going on yeah, should it's, I feel bad like, for watching this <laughs> but it's also like I think he later was like yeah no we were all playing it up it was but it was for that joke yeah yeah like, because you have that plausible deniability because everyone exactly. knows that he is crazy now right well it's it's almost like the joke of Nick Cage because Nick Cage gets so intense with his is acting even yes. when it doesn't call for it uh that you're like is this the movie or did they just see nick cage wandering around and decide to make a movie around what he was <laughs> he was doing anyway. and you're like and you're just like i could believe that's the case i could believe that oh, man. <laughs> but back to the frighteners <laughs> yeah yeah so um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do um i'm gonna do the rundown of the plot yeah so it is a few paragraphs so bear with me i'm gonna try and do it as cleanly and quickly as possible um okay so <laughs> what was i that? just thought of like every three seconds being like eh. <laughs> <laughs> oops <laughs> okay okay here we go okay. we're just tapping my wrist <laughs> sorry sorry Keep going. We're, just, we're like a loud burp that like sort of builds <laughs> <laughs> anything i can to mess with you <laughs> <laughs> okay so Okay, it's okay. In 1999, 19, damn it. <laughs> 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 and I biffed it. Okay, so <laughs> it's the first two words. <laughs> 
I love that you use bipped. <laughs> okay, so... Hey, muchachos, let's roll up on these muchachos. <laughs> Loving your double use of muchachos. <laughs> okay, okay, we gotta get through this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, in 1990, architect Frank Bannister, um, played by Michael J. Fox, his wife Deborah dies in a car accident. And he abandons his profession and his unfinished dream house sits incomplete. Following the accident, Frank gained the power to see ghosts and befriends three, a 1970s street gangster, Cyrus, um, who is a black man and very funny. Uh, 1950s nerd, Stuart, um, who, you know, it's, these are these are archetypes, right? Character archetypes. Yeah. You could, you know, the judge, he's a gunslinger from the Old West uh, and the, the ghosts haunt houses. So Frank can, quote unquote, exercise them for a fee. Most locals consider him a con man. Uh, soon after, Frank cons local health nut Ray Linsky, uh, Peter Dobson, and his wife Lucy, a physician, Ray dies of a heart attack. Frank discovers there's an entity appearing as the Grim Reaper, killing people, first marking numbers on their foreheads that only Frank sees. Deborah had a similar number when she was found. Um, she had the number 13 carved into her forehead. Uh, Frank's ability to foretell the murders puts him under suspicion with the police and FBI agent Milton Dammers, who's played by Jeffrey Combs. Uh, who's convinced Frank is responsible. Frank is arrested for killing newspaper editor Magna Reese Jones, who had attacked him in the press. It was actually the Grim Reaper who killed Reese Jones, and despite Frank's attempts to prevent it. Lucy investigates the murders and becomes the target of the Grim Reaper. She is attacked while visiting Frank in jail, but they escape with the help of Cyrus and Stuart, who are both dissolved in the process. That was pretty sad. Bum me out. Frank wants to commit suicide to stop the Grim Reaper. Lucy helps, like, because he's going to become a ghost, right? Uh, Lucy helps Frank have a near-death experience by putting him into hypothermia and using barbiturates to stop his heart. I have several complaints with the efficacy of, the, of that. Of that. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not how death works. But uh, Dammers <laughs> abducts Lucy, <laughs> revealing that he had, oh man, he had been a victim of Charles Manson and his family in 1969. Oh, in his ghostly form, Frank confronts the Grim Reaper and discovers that he is the ghost of Johnny Bartlett, a psychiatric hospital orderly who killed 12 people in 1964 before being captured, convicted, and executed. Newspaper reports reveal that his greatest desire was to become the most prolific serial killer ever, showing pride at killing more than his contemporaries like Charles Starkweather. Uh, Patricia Bradley, then a teenager, was accused as his accomplice, although she escaped death penalty due to her underage status. Lucy resuscitates Frank, and they visit Patricia. Unknown to them, Patricia is still in love with Bartlett, and on a friendly homicidal terms with his Bartlett's ghost, and eventually kills her own mother, who had been trying to monitor her daughter's behavior. Lucy and Frank trap Bartlett's spirit in his urn, which Patricia has kept. The pair make for the chapel of the now-abandoned psychiatric hospital, hoping to send Bartlett's ghost to hell. Patricia and Demers chase him... Don't worry, three more paragraphs left, that's it. Uh, Patricia and Demers <laughs> chase them through the ruins. Demers throws the ashes away, releasing Bartlett's ghost again before Patricia kills Demers. Uh, Bartlett's ghost and Patricia hunt down Frank and Lucy. Frank realizes that Bartlett's ghost, with Patricia's help, was responsible for his wife's death and the number on her brow, and that he's still trying to add to his body count and infamy even after his death. Man, this this is losing a lot of the details. <laughs> out, of, out of bullets, Patricia strangles Frank to death. <laughs> But Frank, hold up, it's losing a lot of details. Yeah, this because it's like you don't well, know what, like the numbers thing, the significance of the numbers in the forehead, and like all that stuff, right? Fair, um, but this is also a plot synopsis. This should be like two paragraphs at most. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. So this is a mini essay, son. Yeah. But uh, okay, it's almost there. Bartlett grabs Patricia's ghost, and okay, so so Patricia kills Frank, choking him to death because she's run out of shotgun shells. Bartlett grabs Patricia's ghost and. 
while Frank makes it to heaven where he's reunited with Cyrus and Stuart, because they get sucked up. Like, there's, like, a thing that comes down when you die and yeah. you get pulled into heaven, right? Frank realizes that Bartlett's ghost of herself is responsible for his wife's death and number on her brow. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah. So now they're, they're going up. Um, Frank's in heaven, right? Um, and they're sort of still in the, uh, the tube, and they're mocking him, right? But he, they're like, oh, we're going to mm-hmm. go back and kill more people. We're going to continue. But as they're saying that, the tube turns from like a heavenly light thing into basically like this worm that starts eating them. And they mm-hmm. take him down to hell. And uh, so then um, Frank sees his wife. She's like, hey, be happy. Go back, right? Frank and Lucy fall in love. Yeah. Lucy is now able to see ghosts as well. Uh, Frank demolishes his unfinished dream house, which is a terrible existence he's living in there. <laughs> he's showering outside, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and they live happily ever after. It's, it's cool. Now, Okay, so there's... <laughs> this, <laughs> you this did movie, it. <laughs> yeah, this movie was sick. Wait, wait, wait. In, Round of applause. Oh, you powered through, dude. Oh, like, thanks, I would have given up partway through. <laughs> yeah, I really... I, I wanted to, but I'm like, I, you know... I, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, okay, it was really interesting. What I did like about reading that was that it gave me a whole bunch of, like, things came back to me, right? Where I'm like, oh, they're yeah. missing out on this, missing out on that. It's really interesting because the movie opens on Patricia and her mother, and they're old, right? Like, they're, like she's... Like, her mother's old, um, and... Bartlett is like in the walls of their house, sort mm-hmm. of like a, trying to get to her, right? Yeah. And the mom is like, she's like crazy. She seems insane, right? But oh, she yeah. pulls out a shotgun. She shoots the the because he's in the rug, right? Yeah. And she shoots the rug, shoots his head off, and then he flies out. And the movie starts, right? Yeah. Um, it's it, like I, one thing I found really fascinating. Like it, it really got me. Uh, was was there there? It was it was a mass murder. Right, like it was like the first mass, like today we would call them mass murders, and in that in the movie they called them killing sprees, right? Yeah, which is interesting to see the contrast between today's society and and the society like 1990, right, or 1996. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he was an orderly in a in a hospital, and one day he just, you know, he pulls out his gun and he starts shooting people, just starts gunning people down, and and um they would carve the number in, in the person's forehead when as they lay dying, right? Like, this is the first one I killed, this is the second one I killed. Yeah. Um, and then after he was sentenced to death, um, like, the whole thing with Frank and his wife, like, they were, they got into a fight because he's designing the dream house, right? He's an architect. She wanted a garden. Instead of a garden, he put in basketball court for himself, and he was drinking, and they get into a fight, and then they leave. And they end up driving off the edge of, a like, a hill, right, into the woods, mm-hmm. Uh, he wakes up, and she's, you know, 15 yards from the car, and she's got a number carved in her head, and she's dead. And so he starts wandering around, and, and he gets back to town. And, and basically everyone sort of suspects him after that, I assume, right? Like, it's sort of strange. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the—it the, was so disturbing, man. Like, the, the flashback scenes at the end, because, like, they, at the end they go back to um, the insane asylum where it all—not the asylum, like, the, you know, the hospital where it all happened— yeah. And they're, they're trying to get his urn into the church and he's having these flashbacks where you're seeing it all happen. And like, it's, it was pretty insane. Like that, it, it, it was, it's such a weird contrast between the beginning of the movie where you have like the corniest, lowest common denominator, like, like the black ghost. He's, he's like a, like he's a 1970s, like he's got a fro and he, you know, he talks like um, almost like a black caricature. And well, yeah, there's a lot of the jive, a lot the of jive, the you jive turkey, stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And yeah. Like, there's this one point where he's being shot at, and, and he's he reminded like, me of the guys on an airplane, like, yes, yes, where yes. they're where that scene, which was so hilarious, mm. but I'm like, yep, nope, straight out of airplane. There's this, I will say, I will say, like, the, the intro to the movie, that first 
as we're talking about, like the first half and the second half, mm. uh, or that first 45, 45 minutes being very different than the latter half of the movie, uh, even still, like that intro we got, I was like, this is this is more of your traditional horror movie. Yes. Now, uh, listener, if you do check this out, I'll just give you a heads up. The CGI is is not good. No. Um, For the time, it was it was apparently great. Yeah. No, no, no. That's the thing. Just keep in mind, it was was a movie from the 90s and a lower budget one at that. It's not like it had the budget of a, a Terminator, a Jurassic Park, or anything like that where there's amazing CGI. Yeah. It had a budget um, for, for $26 million. And even there was even problems with the, the CGI where he had to go to Universal and ask for another $6 million. So it yeah. originally had a budget of $20 million. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just that, that was the thing where it... At times that that'll take you out of the movie, but you just gotta be like, all right, this was it. This is what they had for the time. You just gotta roll with it. Yeah, um, it's disappointing because when like I was reading about it, and he said that they actually wanted to do, um, you know, like Jurassic Park or or Star Wars, or, like actual yeah. models, like props. Yeah, and I'm like that. He's like, oh, it would have been it would have taken too much time, but it definitely yeah. would have looked better. I oh like yeah, 100%. no. Well, I, I was gonna say I've seen some of the, like the some of the the lower budget. Movies uh, like horror movies to get not uh, not the ring, but um, like the paranormal activities and all that kind of thing where they mm. can do those kind of scares where it'd be easy to do it with CGI, but they do they don't do it with CGI. They do it with or very minimal. Mm. And I'm just like, it's very well structured. I'm just like, oh, man, if you had a, that kind of approach where if it wasn't the CGI, but it was just either models or whatever, I'm just like that would have made that whole intro like terrifying. Yes, you have to roll with it being like, okay, this is terrifying for these characters because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, because, you know, it's like, yeah, it would be terrifying if, if, you know, there was a ghost living in the walls trying to kill you, right? Or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no, that, that I keep coming back to that. Where I'm like, I think even nowadays, even like with how good effects have gotten, like it's, I think it's still the better move is always to make it like effects with miniatures, with real world. Yeah, pop, right? it, it's got to be it's practical effects. The special effects aren't supposed to be the story; they're supposed mm-hmm. to enhance the story. Like I now, actually, I watched, yeah. I watched the third Ghostbusters yesterday. After I watched the Frighteners, I watched the Lady Ghostbusters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was, it was, it was decent. It was funny. It really made me realize, like how what made the original Ghostbusters good like I'm like oh like the difference between it like it, 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 the original Ghostbusters wasn't even really a comedy too much like I mean it had it had Bankman and like there was little moments where like it was between him and, and Aykroyd and, and um, yeah. Ramis where it's like they're the straight men sort of thing and but it was more like they focused more on like I don't know, man. It, it, there was like little things about the, the third Ghostbusters I didn't really. But um, one thing I, I didn't like about we'll it was we'll talk about it when we get to the Ghostbusters episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. The effects, the you know, the effects. Um, what I also watched um, Mewtwo Strikes Back, the new one, the redone one, all the with right. all the CG. That is amazing. Like the the textures they have with the water and the cliffs, and even like Mewtwo when he when he first breaks out and you see like yeah. the texture on his skin and stuff. I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> it's the, like photorealistic, dude. The effects are the but. Uh, listener, we recorded an episode that we just we couldn't salvage, um, so it'll, it'll it'll never be released. Uh, we just we couldn't salvage it. Um, not that it was bad; it was just we had recording difficulties and all that. Um, but I know I've mentioned before, like I, I really appreciate the effects in the in the Mewtwo Strikes Back evolution, mm. but it was this weird juxtaposition of it used straight up elements from Mewtwo Strikes Back, the English cut. Um, 
but Mewtwo was Mewtwo from the Japanese original. I'm like, yeah. these don't intersect. Yeah, there was sort of there was a disconnect there. Yeah, but it was it yeah. looked fantastic. It looked amazing. Oh yeah, no, the look was outstanding. Yeah. Um. So yeah, wait, what were we we were on? What were we on? Uh, we were talking about CG. We're still at the beginning of the movie. Right on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So <laughs> so then like Frank goes and he you know they see him at um at a funeral and stuff and he's trying to get clients and stuff. Uh, one, one thing that's interesting is that he's, you know, he leaves the funeral and he's driving away. That's when he meets uh, Peter Dobson because he drives onto his lawn. After, and it was weird because he's like, oh, my business cards are falling off my chair, although they're strewn everywhere amongst my car. I got to make sure these yeah. few don't fall off my chair for some reason. So yeah. then, he, then he, he goes onto the guy's lawn and he comes out and he has this like perfect, like it's the perfect mix of like 80s and 90s clothing, right? Like it's, it's super yeah. ugly. <laughs> it's 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 got this it's got like the 80s colors but they're not hot you know it's not hot pink hot green hot blue yeah um but yeah it's ugly as all hell and <laughs> he comes out and he's like my lawn you know he's freaking out the classic like he works out he's he's you know he, th- he wants to be upper class he seems like one of those um does he uh, drive Wall a pickup guys. i feel like he's a pickup truck driver <laughs> he's, he's not a pickup guy. maybe no i didn't see i think he would be more like um like a a sports car that's affordable but okay. it still looks like you're you're well that's off. Fair. Right? That's yeah. fair. That's um, fair. But yeah, so then uh, he leaves, and and um, you know his whole shtick when he gets back to his house, his house is like, it's it's barely complete. Like it's it's I don't think it. I think it would be condemned. <laughs> well, the jokes the the ghosts later make a joke in the movie like, great, let's get rid of this. Let's move into a place with windows. <laughs> <laughs> windows, yes. Central heating, <laughs> insulation. <laughs> yeah um four walls <laughs> yeah like it's like his roof is like tarps and stuff um yeah yeah so basically he gets them to haunt uh peter and, and his wife um so that he can like you know make his you know so he doesn't have to pay for this guy's fence and lawn and stuff the best part about it is when he comes back to this house he he, he hits the like the remaining part of the fence that's still up <laughs> and he crushes the, the rest of the guy's gnomes oh i forgot to add when he was leaving before he made a point to like run over the guy's gnome and the guy's like yeah. oh oh <laughs> like he named no! <laughs> yes, ah! <laughs> he's losing his crap over this so gnome. into his yard and his <laughs> he really loved his yard <laughs> It wasn't that great, man. It really wasn't. No, it really wasn't. Yeah, if it, and it's funny because like you, you get this impression that like his wife is like, oh, you know, I I fell in love with the wrong person or I married the wrong person. You know, she basically says it at some point, but the, the guy's so self involved he doesn't realize what she's saying. And then yeah. he he becomes really nice for a moment. You're like, oh, you know, like clearly there's there's some there's a love there. There guy. was a foundation. Like, yeah, like he's he's not a total, you know, <laughs> d bag, right? Like he's yeah, no, but, no, no. He's he's. He's not a jerk. Well, okay, he is a jerk, but he's not like. I I was waiting. I like just the way they had established him. I was like, we're gonna find out he had an affair or he's currently having an affair. Like I was just waiting for that, just because it seemed like that would be in line. Yeah, and well, I was very pleasantly <laughs> surprised that he it, like that they didn't go that route. You found it's... out he was more of a jerk because he, yes. he like did stuff with with her money. But I was just like. I kind of like that they didn't do that. That was a pleasant surprise because this would just be totally in line with how self-involved this guy is yes. that you find out he he was having an affair or something. It's, yeah. it's I appreciated that they didn't go that route. Well, it's it's an interesting way to make someone who likable but unlikable. Like he's not yeah. he's supposed to be a foil or somewhat of an antagonist, but he's not entirely. So they kind of they, you know, it's like oh, he's a jerk, but you know, he's not a psychopathic killer. 
He does have redeeming qualities, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, this I I don't know. I don't want to go beat by beat, but <laughs> there's so many things about this. Like like oh, oh I was going to mention like the um the uh, you know how we're talking about how uh, the the black ghost. I can't remember everybody's names. Um, what what was his name, Chris? Do you Frank? Remember? Was it Frank? Frank is, is that's that's Michael J. Fox. <laughs> oh dang it! <laughs> so, no, it's Cyrus. What, what, sorry, once it once Michael J. Fox is there, I, I, I'm just gonna call you Michael J. Fox. Like, <laughs> so Cyrus, he has this thing where um oh so coach coach oh crap. <laughs> um the judge the old yeah dude, judge the western sheriff he actually his his um prosthetic makeup. Even though he was a ghost, he was still like a real person that do prosthetic, you know, prosthetics with and, and stuff like that. He, it was actually done by um, the famous uh, Rick Baker. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, he only he literally only worked on that one character because uh, <laughs> there's this one point where he's walking like he's. We were first introduced to Judge when his he's chasing a dog like a bloodhound who's yeah. it's a ghost bloodhound who has his jaw the lower half of his jaw, and he's freaking out. But when you see him. He doesn't have like a middle. Like he doesn't have a stomach. Like it's literally just his spine, right? And yeah. he's sort of walking around, getting it. And he's like, "I'm getting old." And it was really interesting to me. I'm like, I wonder how long these ghosts well, last, right? Well. Like they're oh, <laughs> 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 like they're ghosts. You wouldn't imagine that they decay still, but apparently they do because they're literally like uh, that. Was I'm always fascinated by that, and that's one thing that really gets me um, into Ghostbusters: just the science, the potential science yeah. behind ectoplasm or, or the world building. Yes, the world building, all that stuff. Yeah, but there's this point where. He's getting shot at because um, the judge just comes around the corner shooting his, his his revolvers for some reason. I don't know. I guess he wants to kill the dog. Uh, but Cyrus is like, man, if I wanted to get shot at, I'd move my <laughs> to L.A. or something like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just like, it's, yeah. it's jokes like that throughout the whole movie where it's like, it's really interesting because I'm thinking, like, was this lowest common denominator, hokey, cheesy? Were these were these those kind of jokes in the at the time, or is it? the perspective we've gained now because two things stuck out to me for this movie right because i hadn't watched it since i was a kid and it's very like it's mid 90s it's a very it's a movie of the 90s and very much so (laughs) very much so and remember when like you were kid like we were kids and we'd watch movies that were done in the 60s or 70s and we'd be like oh the acting is so terrible what's going on like (laughs) did they not know how people talk and then in the 90s it's like oh you know you know, we have th- we're thankful because like oh the, the acting's so much better, right? But now yeah. it's thirty years from then, almost, yeah. right? Yeah. And oh I'm looking gosh. back and I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I'm starting to feel about '90s acting. The way I'm like, was this good acting in the '90s? Was this like serviceable? Because <laughs> there's some people who I'm just like, this is terrible. It's awful acting, right? And and I'm wondering because I I never lived in the '60s, so I didn't have I wasn't like yeah. I didn't have that. You know, I'm, my mind wasn't colored by that experience of having grown up with it so it's interesting to me to look to look back and be like oh wow like has acting changed that much still like has it gotten that much better (laughs) and the other thing i'm realizing is the way something is cut can make an actor seem better like you could have the exact same performance but just the way you cut it makes it seem less like they're acting and yeah that was so i'd never realized that before it was the first time in my life that it ever occurred to me that i ever noticed it and and it was fascinating to me i'm like wow there must be some sort of (laughs) human like it's i I don't think it's an objective thing i think it's literally a human thing right yeah it would yeah i don't know how to explain it It was it's something i want to chase i want to chase that concept down i want to learn more about it well it's, it's so interesting i'll just briefly get into the weeds on it um as you're saying the thing about acting i'm just like I 
I didn't have that. Ex- Whoa, drop my mic. Mic drop. <laughs> I didn't have that exact train of thought. Um, just where I never looked at movies where it's like, oh, the acting's terrible because of it being older. It might have been. I don't know if it was the style, but in terms of, uh, for me, I guess what I'll count as great acting is how much it support. It makes sense within the the story and the world that the movie is is creating. Mm-hmm. Um, how much I enjoy the character uh or the performers making me enjoy the character even if they are a bad character mm-hmm. um like even if they're supposed to be a terrible terrible person uh in this movie jake Busey, his he's playing a, a horrible human now ghostly being mm-hmm. but that was a good performance it was it, it worked for the character i'm like you know I- what I, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying what you're bringing to the table. I'm enjoying your interpretation of what's on the page. Um, a movie that I would say, for the most part, has serviceable to bad acting, with the exception of two, is the the 1998 uh, TriStar Godzilla movie. Mm. It's a it's a bad movie. Oh, Matthew Broderick is worse. <laughs> uh, like I, I found, uh, see Matthew Broderick, I put him on the the all right end of the spectrum. Yeah. But then there's two, at, at least in that movie. At other points, I've seen like Ferris Bueller. I was like, it's great. What you bring is for that role. That's great acting because that's what supposed to bring. You're identifying blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But in the 1998 Godzilla, which you don't watch for acting, there's two people who just make the like raise the film above where it's at. Um, and above the material that was written. And that is also a stamp to me of what can be really great acting, which if actors do it consistently, then they're outstanding actors. At times it's like that perform individual performance was great. But in that movie, Hank Azaria. Oh, he's, he's top oh, tier. He's though. a great actor. But yeah. That's something he does where doesn't matter what he's in. Doesn't matter the no. level of the material. If it's lowest common denominator or it's highbrow, he will elevate it. There's some um, sort of there's like an awareness behind him when he does it, though, yeah. right? Like because he, does he, everything he so... will know exactly what he's in, yeah. but he still knows how to make it work. He knows it's how to not make just it work. Like, it's not just like oh, I know I'm in a bad movie, so I'm gonna have fun with it. And there's room for that, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But he somehow makes it work and makes it work better than it should. Yes, and. Uh, John Reno, Gina, I can't remember how to, but the French guy, uh, in that movie, the French military guy, that actor is great. He knows exactly what movies he's in, he's Mm. in, but like Frank, he just brings this charm, this, uh, this charisma to the role Mm -hmm. that it's a smaller role, but every scene he's in, he almost steals, he stands out. I'm just like, Give me the spinoff of these two guys and you will make it like an outs- an amazing B movie, like yeah. a B movie with a a plus acting, which shouldn't happen. But it, it could. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't like I felt like his his. Yeah, he was Jean decent. Reno. There we go. Jean Reno. John Reno. Oh, OK. He, yeah, I, I felt like um, uh, Busey. He, I felt like he was decent. I think yeah, were... no, he wasn't amazing. But no, he, he worked for what it worked well enough I, I, but I, it's interesting because I, I as I'm watching movies like I can that's what when it occurred to me like the way you cut things too makes mm-hmm. can make someone seem like a better actor and it, it like for instance a really good example of this is Jurassic Park when he when um, they first see the uh, the dinosaurs essentially right the, yeah and I'm like this acting is kind of bad but I think it would be better if they didn't stay so long 
on the actor, right? Like if they just <laughs> cut it quicker type of thing, like let him deliver the line, cut it, right? Don't just like hang on to him because it, it really made me feel like, I don't know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's more of like a feeling, but when it, there was certain well, lines that... No, uh, I was going to say with with that, it's also that's also interesting when you get when you look at actors and sometimes the process that first scene where it's the the Brachiosaurus showing up. Mm-hmm. I'm all right with that scene. I, I don't think the acting's bad. I'm just like I'm also very aware of that. That was an entirely CG Brachiosaur. There was no there was nothing there. It was Spielberg walking around with like a stick with a paper cutout being like, look up here. Um, yeah. But then you get to the scene where they first see the raptors, where we don't see it. The acting's outstanding because there's people shaking everything, making it like something horrific is going on here. So then the actor has something to really inform their reaction. Yeah, I, it, there's like it's interesting because like I not only did I like I can I'm starting to be able to see and hear. Like I can hear the way I would want the line delivered. Yeah, and I can yeah. see the way I would want it shot. And I'm just like. So when I, when, you know, for instance, when Busey would deliver lines, like when he was being carried out of the courtroom, he's like, oh, I got 12, that's more. And I'm like, you could like this little thing, like in the way the tone and the delivery, I'm like, yeah. it just sounds a little, I, I want to say stilted. I can't think of the word. Um, no, so the, the thing with the, Bu- as, as much as I enjoyed his performance, the thing was, I think his performance and his character in a way was a little too cartoony. Well, it, it's it's the issue of the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, like part of the uh, the movie, I don't think it strikes that perfect balance of horror comedy. Yeah. And at points, his his horror his horrible and horrifying character is too lined up for, is too much in line for a more of a comedy. Yes. Um. Yeah. While while I'm shouting out good performances, um, like I'll say I. Nobody will say Shatner, like William Shatner, is a terrific actor. But I'll say I think he had a terrific performance in his brief appearance in Airplane 2. Like, oh. he was so funny in that movie. It was like Shatner being, not Shatner at a sh- Shatner-iest, but it was, he knew exactly what to, his timing was impeccable. His pacing, his inflections, like, he was playing into the, like the stereotype that people have when they, they mock Shatner in his, his earlier performances. But I was like, when he shows up, he steals the show of that movie. Like he is, he he didn't Shatner the bed. (laughs) (laughs) It was just one of those times where (laughs) it was just one of those times where I'm like, where was this? Like, yeah, yeah, wait, you could do that? Like, you're, people uh, paid you to act, and <laughs> and then I'm just like, why, why, wait, why haven't we gotten more of this? Yeah, like, why haven't we gotten you more in comedy? Because your timing is impeccable. Mm-hmm. Like, you're deliver. So it's just it, there's times where an actor can really, really do that, where they just suddenly knock it out of the park. But yeah. back to the frighteners. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's yeah. No, man, the movie it's it's interesting. Uh, it, it's really it's cool to look back on, like you know, when we had things like Scream and and other movies, and the way that, um, yeah, it really. And that was a big complaint from from uh, critics about the movie was that like halfway through it sort of changed, and you're yeah you're losing people no matter what you do, right? Like either way, yeah. you're going to lose people who thought it was one thing, and now all of a sudden it's another thing. And I think, but I do think there's a way to. To make it like, like, for instance, like, like that example that, you know, we were talking about with Scream, where it, it, it wasn't like they had to write these characters 
they have to write jokes for the characters. Yeah. They just had to have the characters be themselves. And because they were who they were, it was believable, right? They were teenage kids who were dumb, right? And um, so they're going to say stupid crap, like even in serious situations, which is, it's funny. It's the humor comes from the situation, not from, um, for instance, uh, an old ghost um, uh, having sex with the mummy, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like no. there's, there's this, okay, so Chris and I were talking about this, and, and this is Chris, is like, and I, I was off-put by this too. I think any, 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 most people will be off-put by this, right? Yeah. Where Judge, he, he believes, like they're in a, a museum, like it's a fundraiser or something. He believes that he has killed uh, Death because Death is running around. We don't know it's Bartlett yet. And that's another interesting thing I want to get to, the way he changes. But um, So he, he, he believes that he's killed him with his revolvers, and he's like, he's celebrating, and then he what catches his eye. Okay, now, in the time, in, like, while I'm watching it, I'm like, it made me kind of uncomfortable, and I'm like, this is dumb, and it's not funny. But when I think back about it, it's like we were talking about with the, the guys, and we were talking about Seinfeld. And like, Seinfeld is almost funnier when you have people explain what happened as opposed to actually yeah. watching it. And I think this is one of those cases where, he, he, like, I can see why they would think it's funny while they're writing it. So he looks, he, he, he catches his eye, this um, sarcophagus, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then so he jumps inside the sarcophagus, and you can only imagine what's going on inside there, but at some point it falls over. And I'd over. rather not. Yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of don't have to because at some point it falls over and then you see his butt just coming out of the and his sarcophagus up and down and it's like it's so it's well, so it's so ridiculous. So like it, it, the thing with this movie, like a thought I had during the first 45 minutes because hmm. I remembered how excited you were <clears throat> and you were like, "Dude, we should watch this." And I I could t- like I could feel your excitement. Dude, I hadn't and watched th- it in like almost 20 years. Maybe more. <laughs> okay? So it's been a and long then, time. And then when I then when I start watching like in the first like 15 20 minutes, I was like, "Why does he like this movie so much?" <laughs> <laughs> and then too, I'm lo- dude. I and I'm looking at I'm looking at the runtime and I'm just like, "I don't know if I have this in me." Like, I might just text him and be like, Dude, this is just not my movie. We can do an episode about how this is not my movie <laughs> and how, why I turned it off. But then I did kept go because the interesting thing is, mm. like, and you and I talked about this earlier. Even though it's it it is a, they don't find the balance no. of the comedy. I do think though that they something they did well was in that comedy first half, they set up the characters enough that when it got to the more serious and horror filled filled second half that then that had stakes. So then we did get sad when, when Cyrus and the other guy died. Um, like it, it, there was the connection, even though you're like, man, this is lowest, uh, lowest common denominator humor. This is just psych eggs. This is not my, like, it's not my kind of comedy. It's mm. not my, like, what is this? Um, that stuff, it did get you attached to the characters and, Michael J. Fox is just so likable yeah. that <laughs> you'll 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 go along with him even if you don't like what the movie's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, they I, yeah they really did a good job of of connecting you emotionally to because you know even though the jokes are kind of lame um, and and lowbrow, uh, it's the characters themselves. Now that here's something here's something that I I didn't really I I never really thought about the acting of the ghosts. You know I always thought about the acting of like the main. Characters, yeah. but I think those two guys, uh, Cyrus and um, oh crap, Wait, I got it. We have to know his name, Stuart, the, the nerd there Stuart, and yeah. the street gangster Cyrus. They good acting. Oh good yeah, acting. Yeah, it, well, 
they I think they knew exactly what their roles were. Yeah. And then they just went all in. Yeah. And it's a case again of that could have been really, really bad. It could have been like it could have been really bad. Yes. Because uh, they didn't. It, it was like and not in an offensive way, because I think it was just like poking in a way, poking fun at the stereotypes while not getting away from being the stereotypes yeah. was the self-awareness and they were very self-aware they had fun with it like the yes. actors had fun with it and that's where i'm like this is they made that part work yeah um, it's i don't know if you've ever seen f is for family uh, uh no but i've heard i've heard some good things it's it's a pretty it's 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 a comedic cartoon but it gets real man it gets heavy and um but there's there's this one show it's supposed to demonstrate how like insanely racist television was back then and a lot of the black characters on the show they just spout like one-liners in the most the most stereotypical black voice you can make right and they could have done that they could have provided like no like nothing that makes cyrus like a real dude and he's just spouting these racist one-liners right yeah Um, yeah but they didn't do that and and and, you know what honestly man like just talking to you about this this is like it's dawning on me how how much of a saving how terribly that could have gone and oh, yeah. how much it actually saved the movie in a lot of ways yeah right well, um i'll say now if mm-hmm. if the movie hadn't shifted gears like it had though yeah just like not in the sense of where i was like oh i'm offended or whatever like that it's just like the humor was not my kind of humor especially when we get to like necrophilia jokes those just are like <laughs> not at all my that, that's not at all my humor yeah. um it's not even like uncomfortable laughter it's just like this just isn't funny but to me it's, he sees the, the x-ray of the skull he's oh, like she's I got know. nice teeth <laughs> like, oh, i know God. i know it's a, like I, I i see the moving parts yeah. but it's just like if if it hadn't shifted gears I probably would have been like, I'm done. Like I, because at that point still, it was like another hour. <laughs> I would have been like, I no. If it, if it had just kept that comedic tone and it hadn't started shifting into the horror movie where you're like, wait, no, I want to know more about this background. I want to yes. know more about that stuff. If it hadn't done that, if it had just stuck to the first, like the, the first half part, I would have been like, I'm done off. It's just, this isn't my thing and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they didn't like one thing they didn't earn was um, Michael J. Fox and um, but Trini Alvarado, like uh, Lucy, like they, they didn't they didn't really earn that relationship or that connection. I feel well, like they, they didn't. Y- yes and no, because I think they showed that these two like legit cared for each other. Um, yeah. But then the, the thing I found at the end of the movie now, uh, I'll admit, I was also very, very tired during it so maybe maybe i just missed it Mm -hmm. but i found they didn't they didn't explain too much about like did they go into the like the hurt he felt over over his wife or why he hadn't been in like tried to pursue another relationship or how maybe that guilt impacted him or why he was putting himself through this hellish existence like why he wasn't moving on Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, because like he, I mean, he selfishly, you know, he, he had his wife. Right. She wanted the, the garden. He, he put, yeah. then he argued with her about it, based, assuming basically, like, I assume he, I don't know what he said because they didn't actually show the argument. Yeah, no, no, I assume well, he said I, some awful things. I saw that part. I like, and I, I get exactly where you're coming from, but I was, I, times it's not like I need to be told, but it's also like I want to be. 
because I, I can figure this stuff out, but it's okay. also, you well, can me, have a good scene yeah, yeah. Well, out of that. So oh, when sorry, he, sorry. Yeah, he drives the car <laughs> off the, the hill, and then they do show that scene a couple times where, you know, he sees her body, mm-hmm. and she has the, the 13 carved in her head. And I can only imagine, like, you know, you were drinking, you made a bad decision, you wake up, and all of a sudden your wife's dead. And yeah. it's like, you know, uh, there's a scene later on where um, Lucy goes to his house. Right. He's, he's not there. And she... Um, she happens upon the uh, the basketball court, which he had turned into a garden. And right. And you see the rusted basketball hoop and stuff. And it's very, to me, it's a very poignant scene. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was, uh, that was good, good movie. <laughs> good movie there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he, because like, I can, like, I imagine, like, if that were me, I would, I would probably want to kill myself after. Like, you know, like, I would 100% not want to be alive. But there's that, there's that scene where he's, right after, what's his name, dies, uh, Dobson, Peter Dobson, uh, Ray. Right. Um, where they're in the restaurant and he's, you know, Michael J. Fox is sort of acting as the medium between mm-hmm. him and, which is actually pretty funny because it shows how much of a, a jerk he is. Or he, yeah. he's, he immediately goes from like, Lucy, I love you. Like, I'm going to get back on my feet. And he's like, you're dead, man. You are a ghost. Yeah. Like, nothing's yeah. happening. Um, See, oh man, that was, that was, in the, that was something during the first half mm-hmm. where I'm like, there was so many, there were so many dangling threads of where the movie could go. Yeah. That I'm like, I wanted to go there. Yeah. And it didn't, and I get why it didn't. But yeah. that scene where he's like the, like the, almost the mediator between the two, or the medium. Um, but then also later, as he's walking that dude through like becoming a ghost i was like oh my gosh there could be a movie here yes there's and so many how, different and the, the effect that that has on somebody yes there's like, so many oh different avenues like, there's there's all these really cool interesting parts that you could make something like a, a yeah. like the world building right you can make a yeah. really cool world out of it but they 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 sort of curve around all these interesting parts just yeah. to get to the end of the story and it's yeah it's sort of a bummer but in that in that scene he does you know, she asks him and he, he he starts to allude to what happened, but then he's like, you know, let's, let's just vote. And the other thing is that during that scene, I'm like, what is this ghost? Like, are we doing ghost? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Here, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, oh, well also because the, the comedy that's been in the movie, I was like, are, are, are we going to go that route? Are we going to go like a more gross ghost route? Like a grosser version of that? <laughs> ghost, <laughs> like, but gross. <laughs> is, is this grossed? Um, gross. Is this the way we're going? <laughs> like, and thankfully it didn't. Um, but it was just one of those things where there was a lot of dangling threads where I'm like, oh man, I would be so much more into that than what I'm getting. Yeah. But then I, when the shift happens, it's like the second half of the movie is definitely the better half. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. I like when it takes on the more serious tone. I don't think they should yeah. have bothered with the comedy. Like, it, the comedy should just be incidental, right? It shouldn't be a yeah. focus. Uh, Although, it's it's interesting that we do that, though, just when you, we say that, just as much as we both love uh, Jeffrey Combs', Combs. performance, <laughs> um, I don't know if we could have gotten that if it was just the serious. Because he, he did skirt the line a bit. I think he balanced it uh, better than, than Busey did. Like, not knocking Busey's performance, but we even said how later it's like it was a little more cartoony when it needed to be more serious. Like, he, it, Combs struck that balance perfectly, but if it was just the serious, then the comedic parts would have been 
completely out of place. Yeah, um, like the okay. So I said this before we started. Can I can I reiterate it? Is it a, uh, <laughs> it's, it happened in the movie? Yeah, no, no, no. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. so there's this part where he okay. So when he shows up, he's brought in by like the FBI, right? Because like yeah. all the, in this town. Uh, so I guess the thing is we didn't really Bartlett. He's come back. And what he's doing is as the Grim Reaper, he's reaching into people's chests and he's squeezing their heart, right? Yeah. So there's this, like, epidemic in this town of, um, quote-unquote, heart attacks. But they're like, oh, you know, the arteries are clean. It literally looks like someone has squeezed their heart and just destroyed, like, the muscles and, and, and the capillaries and stuff. And um, so it's sort of like, you know, extra. It's it's weird. It's the, you know, uh, wow, there's a word there. And it's the exact word. I should be using. I can't figure it out. Um, <laughs> I want to say actually, it's sci-fi, right? It's all that stuff. So, right. um, so he's he's called in, and what's her name? Lucy is being held. I can't remember why she's being held at the moment. Uh, um, I don't think she was being held, or she's being questioned. He, she's being questioned because she, they were they were really starting to pay attention to Michael J. Fox, and mm. because they had he, he had been out to dinner with her. Uh, so they were like, what happened? What was going on? Like, they were questioning her about his behavior. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So he comes in, uh, Combs, and he he's very strange. Like, he, he you see him, and he's just, he's sort of fidgety. He will not maintain eye contact with anybody. And then when he sees her, he, it's, it's really annoying but funny because he's always trying to, like, stay, like, just behind the corner so you can just see, like, one of his <laughs> eyes. And then when he, like, when he finally, like, makes eye contact, he just looks away and looks down. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous, right? Um, yeah. And I think, well, it's that stuff that was so well performed that yes. if it was just the serious part, yeah. we couldn't have that. It would have been like, what are you doing? This is terrible. Well, for instance, you could have that, but I mean, maybe you don't have it so so much of everything, right? right. So much right. of it. You, you get that one scene where he sort of looks at her and then yeah. like goes, and it's just like, oh, it, that's it creepy. Would be like, it would be like that. That yeah. would like that would work. But it was even that little moment, like that that part where it's just the constant bit. I'm like, this is the highlight so far. Yeah. It's a gag. It's a gag. Right? Yeah. It's a gag, but it, it works. It makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so he comes in and he's got like this weird, almost Hitlerish haircut, um, and he just he seems very strange. And he basically starts asking her questions that basically have nothing to do with anything and from from her point of view. And so she's yelling. She's like, you know what? What are you doing? Like, why am I here? What's going on? Why yeah. are you asking me this question? And as soon as she starts yelling, he loses it. Like, he runs out of the room and he throws up in a sink. Um, yeah. He can, just can't handle it. And <laughs> he comes back and he's like, you know, I don't, I, I, Frank isn't the man that you think he is. And then he basically goes into the story of how Frank's wife died and how basically, like, he, you know, even though they couldn't convict him, he was essentially like, everyone just thinks he killed her, right? I think he is the like his character's introduction is the moment where the movie really starts to shift. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, that scene where I was like, this whole scene explanation feels really out of place with the rest of the movie, but then it makes sense later. <laughs> Things got dark. <laughs> and so he, um, eventually we're dealing like with jive talking ghosts, jive talking just, ghosts. <laughs> we're dealing with jive talking and fifties nerd stereotype ghosts that, break into people's homes so somebody can make money like yeah oh one thing another thing about the museum scene that I, we were talking about before i just want to like cover it really quickly is that 
these cops just start shooting at him. <laughs> he doesn't have a weapon. He hasn't hurt anyone. He's just basically walking away from them. And then all of a sudden, just like they're unloading at him. I know. They're like, he's going to kill her. And I'm like, you're going to kill her. And, and one, yeah. He, they could have killed so many people in that museum. And yeah. then when he runs out and he's like driving away, you have like eight cops all on the stairs of this museum shooting at him. And there's everybody who was in the museum is behind him getting into their cars. And so I'm like, I'm like, is this the type of stuff? Like was, was this okay at the time? Was this normal? Was like, were Americans like, yeah. Or, or was this sort of like, did this sort of help uh, normalize this behavior to Americans? Right. Cause it's interesting that all these things that are coming to light now in terms of like policing in the States, they've been going on for like 30 years, right? They've been going on our whole lifetime. And we were just like, yeah, that's just what cops are. And it's almost like th- that's never what cops should have been, dude. This is not normal. This isn't right. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was fascinating I, I to me. I feel like how you're just... applying more thought to it than they, than they oh, of course. The yeah, movie. and that's the point. I think that's exactly the point, dude. Like nobody right. thought about it, right? Like it was just right. cops pull out their guns to shoot at bad guys. It's like, no, dude, he, he wasn't doing anything. Like, <laughs> you can take him down. He didn't have a weapon, right? Um, so, yeah, that part was interesting to me. But he, there's, okay, so there's this point where, um, what's his, Combs, he, uh, he kidnaps, like, one thing we do see is that he won't sit down, right? Like, he, he yeah. refuses to sit down. It's sort of straight. Like, at one point, he does sit down when he's interrogating Frank, and then he sits down for a second, leans, and then he gets right back up. Like, he's like, he's like no, I'm not sitting down. Um, and then we really, so he ends up kidnapping Lucy. And for what reason, I don't know. I guess he has, like, this weird, like, they never really showed or explained his fascination with sort of trying to get her to understand what he's been through or or why he's so preoccupied with her. Yeah, I think think the only reason that they had him take her was he knew that... um, Oh, she was... Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm so sorry. Yeah. He knew that if he had her, then Frank would come to him. Yeah, or here's the thing, right? He also had this thing where after he sort of, after they got Frank, after they finally got him locked up, he's looking into the cell and he's like, oh, you know, the one cop comes up and he's like, you know, you have, there's literally no evidence tying him to anything. There, there's no way we can convict him of anything, right? And yeah. um, uh, Combs is like, um, oh, it's okay. He'll suicide before he gets to trial, right? Yeah. And it gives you this insight and it comes like, Oh, he's a psychopath. Right. Like clearly yeah. like all the stuff that he's gone through for the service of his country. And he keeps reiterating that he's like, I've been all for my country. And it's like, Whoa, clearly this man has been broken. And that's the only thread hanging on. Like I did it for my country. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he wants Frank to die uh, with literally no proof. He can't prove well, it. <laughs> like he is utterly convinced that it's, it's purely Frank because, uh, uh, because of the horrible experiences he's gone through, but they, they had him, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but you and I talked about it before we recorded. Like, they kept bringing him back, and then it's like, the performance is great, but it would always slow down the pacing, but a lot of the dialogue would be similar, where it's like, I'm going to intro the same way, where it's like, it's you, it's all you, and this, and this, and then we'll get this little tidbit of further development, but... Because it's 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 interesting, because like trimming. there's no... Yeah, there's no... <laughs> but there's no foundation for him to have like all of it's irrational so oh yeah you, you no, can't really say like utterly like, convinced yeah so he's kind of a crazy guy so it's like for him oh, to yeah. come up and just reiterate things it's like oh he's obsessive he's obsessed that's one thing that, that mentally ill people do they get they get obsessed over certain themes and and he's yep. he must be borderline schizophrenic or, or schizo something right well um, yeah, or, or when, autistic well when we autistic. get the as we're getting the reveal about mm. all the terrible things he's been through you're like 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So he um and it, okay, so now I remember exactly why he he steals her because she, it's in that scene where she is um freezing Frank and pumping a full yep. bitch with so he can die and then he yep. comes and he finds them. I don't know how he knew to get go there, but he does. And he finds the movie them. needed him to. Yeah, the movie <laughs> needed him to. I mean, you the can movie need- <laughs> That's Otherwise, the, the movie can't happen. <laughs> they could show it. You could show it. I'm sure there's a plausible reason. Like he maybe just happened to see them driving or something, right? You know, right. just you know, right. even that's plausible. But so he he shows up and he sees that Frank is dying, and he's like, "Oh, awesome! <laughs> I'm gonna kill Frank." And I think there might even be this element of jealousy because remember when he's interrogating Frank and he starts talking about this woman who could blow up hearts with her mind, and yeah. she's basically saying like, "That's what you're doing, Frank." But then later on, when he's got her in the car, he's like. Oh, I'm moving the car. So he seems that seems to be important to him. Like he wants to be able yeah. to do that. And I seem I think he like he's almost jealous of Frank. Right? He believes that well, Frank can do that and he resents him for it somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, well it could be cuz he's like as he shares and you see like the scars across his body and how he's been mutilated and all that, like in the terrible things that he's done in service of his country, like being with the Mansons and these cults and these serial killers and these warped individuals, like he it's weird because he's like irrationally ready to write off everything Frank does. But then there's this where it it might almost be like if I have this out of it, then the, then there might have been not a point, but something good, for lack of another term, out of it. Yeah. And then it's like, here's this person who I see what you are, even though he's not. Um, and you have this thing that I want. Or that I should have that you're 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 this monster you're this cult that I've stayed with like you should not have this yeah so then yeah that jealousy that that makes a lot of sense yeah and I think um oh gosh what was I gonna say now oh yeah there's this one moment where because you know this guy's seen a bunch of crap he's clearly into the occult right he clearly believes yeah. that there are things supernatural things that exist and there's this moment when frank's being interrogated where he's just honest with him he's like this is what's happening man and it's, and there's this moment where like you kind of have hope where it's like oh maybe maybe combs will actually believe him right maybe it'll help him yeah but he does not because he is insane and so so when he steals okay he steals lucy and this scene this scene stuck with me when i was a kid this scene really like it's the one scene out of all that i sort of remember the most when he steals her and he takes her to the woods and she's locked up in the back of the um, police car. And he, at one point, like right before he gets out, he puts his hands up and I can't remember why, but you see a swastika in the middle, in his palm. Yeah. And you're like, Oh geez, like what's going on here? And yeah. then he, he sees that she sees it and he's like, Oh, um, you know, his first undercover thing was, uh, he was, <laughs> he was a sex slave for the Manson family for three months. Right. Yeah. And it, what was fascinating was, Oh, when he got into the car originally, it looks like he's going to pull out a gun to shoot her. And he pulls out a hemorrhoid ring and puts yeah. it down. And it's like, what the heck? Uh, like, that's why I guess that he didn't want to sit down. And it's sort of, it, it, it makes you realize, right, like all the stuff he's been through. But he gets out of the car and he's standing, like the headlights are on him. Or no, not yet. No, no, they're not on yet. But he's standing in front of the car and he pulls open his shirt. And you see that his torso has just been mutilated. Like he has like a, an anarchy tattoo carved into him. He has a pentagram. He has, it looks like where his ribs are have just been like, you can almost see the bones, right? Yeah. Like the, the skin yeah. there is just gone almost. And he starts outlining like, oh, you know, he infiltrated the uh, these cannibals and he had to eat cannibals and he drank blood and stuff. And he infiltrated um, these Satanists and all this stuff. 
first country, right? And like this guy's clearly been put through, like he's suffered abuse, right? He's been put oh, through yeah. the ringer. Like this is a yeah. he's a victim of abuse. He's the the product of it, and which is juxtaposed by earlier being like he can't sit down because he has hemorrhoids now here's the horrifying reason <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. here's why he has hemorrhoids yeah like, it was it was <laughs> i i shouldn't have laughed <laughs> i laughed so dude when he said that because i didn't catch it when i was a kid right i like yeah I, no because it flies over your head yeah but when he did when he said that like the manson family thing i i like i laughed. i was like <laughs> you know like in my in my room by myself I was just like, that was hilarious it's, it's this weird thing because it's almost like you, you shouldn't but it's also a well-crafted dark joke yes it's like a, yes it is a well it's a very joke. well-crafted dark humor joke i like and more I jokes like this not the not the mummy humping right like, yeah yeah no, and not that i'm always not that i'm always the biggest fan of dark humor hmm. but at times when it's done and it's done well then you're like okay well, I, then, I can uh, a good example of a, a well-crafted dark joke is yeah. from Community. Mm. Um, the episode where Abed is in the class of, like, who's the boss? Uh, and then he, like, shows up the teacher that, like, who was the boss? And the guy was like, I'm an academic and I studied with, I was part, I wasn't just a fan of the show, like, all that. And then it ends that, like, you see him opening the drawer and then you see a gun. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he reaches in, <laughs> but then he pulls out like, another thing for another show <laughs> where you're just like that. That's dark humor, yeah. but it's also hilariously like the twist is great. The setup is great. And you're like, the joke doesn't work if you don't do the, the dark part first. Yes. And yeah, that is that's the kind of dark humor I, I can appreciate where you're like, OK, nope, nope. So it, it it's just that weird thing of he has a gun in his death. How did he not kill Abed? Like that was like, I'm so surprised it didn't end up like him pulling the gun. It's like this hostage situation. Oh my gosh. Because that's not that show. No, no, but, but when you think about it, like the guy he like he broke his world, right? Like Abed came and just destroyed the foundation of his reality. <laughs> so it makes sense that he would want to kill himself at least. But I, what what I do like about that joke, but, the, uh, yeah. the Combs joke, is that they don't beat you over the head with it, right? Like it comes and goes, like boom. No, you no. got to really pay attention to catch it. Well, it's they, they play it as a joke earlier, and then it's like, hey, here's the, the dark, setup. twisted setup yeah. for it. Whoa! And then they, they don't dwell on it. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't dwell on it. They just no. It's it in a way it's blinking. You'll miss it. Yeah, it's I I really enjoyed that. I really like everything to do with Combs. I, I enjoyed. I even yeah. At the end, man, when he like when he's in, he's it was really cool because like you said, like. I mean, you could even, as a viewer, be like, this is annoying. Like, you're holding up the plot. You keep coming in. You keep reiterating the same thing. So when, at the end, Michael J. Fox is stuck between uh, Combs on one end of the hall. Like, this is in the, the abandoned uh, hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Combs at one end of the hall. And what's her name? Uh, we, ha- we haven't really talked about her at all. Um, the- Lucy? Is it Lucy? It's no, not that- Lucy. <laughs> Poor Chris. <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh Jackal, jackal, is it a jackal? <laughs> jackal, 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 is it a jackal? Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> was it the first fifteen bloody times that one? Would be the last. <laughs> it was. It was um, uh, Patricia Bradley, uh, D. Wallace Stone. She was, I think, one of the weakest uh, role like, acting uh, performances. Who did like, she play? <laughs> uh, Patricia Bradley, the uh, Bartlett's, like the oh, daughter. Oh, yeah, they didn't give her much to do. 
No, like, but they, even they, like the what lines she did deliver and like her screaming, it was just all pretty bad. Yeah. Um, did not like her as a character, didn't like her acting, but um so she's on the other end of the hall, she's got a shotgun, right? Yeah. And and then um Michael J. Fox, he, there's a hole in the floor, so he just steps in the hole and falls back, and like right at the moment he falls back, she shoots and Combs head blows up and you just see his ghost head. Yeah. <laughs> like replace his real head, right? And it's interesting because um Jackson, like he was trying to go for a PG thirteen rating, and that wasn't in the original cut that mm. had been blown off. Um, but then they still they were like they would they gave it an R, even though he did his best and he was like, Screw it. So he just went back and like added stuff that was yeah. that was messed up, right? Well I got an R, so I might as well. Might like, as well. Yeah. It's like why'd I cut all this stuff then? Why did I try and do this? Why are you wasting <laughs> my time? Um uh, but it, it yeah, yeah, it, that I really liked that scene where um you know, Frank gets away for the time being and Combs gets murdered. Like it was, <laughs> he's getting murdered. It, it was it was pretty sweet. Well, that's a, like it's the thing of I like the character um, and I loved the performance, hmm. but it was just. I guess it was just the issue of maybe it's the director's cut because I, I couldn't see the uh, the original cut. I'd, I'm wondering what the differences are, what the length difference is. Um, and all that. It was just as I was watching the director's cut, you feel the two hours, like you yes. really do. I'm like, you could trim probably fifteen or so minutes off oh, of this dude, thing, a half an hour, almost easily. You could trim yeah. off of it, right? It could be an easily like an hour twenty minute movie or something. Where, like, no offense to the performance or the actor because he was great, but it was just a problem the movie had of they kept having him pop back up because he with, was the best part. Right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> he he. So here's the difficulty, though. He is the best part, mm -hmm. but they also weaved him in and out of needing to be there, right? Because now they're building up towards, like, they at this point, we know the, the death is, uh, like, the, the Grim Re Reaper guy is uh, Gary Busey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jake Busey. Jake Busey. <laughs> uh, like, we know that he's him. So now we're like, we've got... We're, we're going towards the end. We've got our, our track where this makes sense. And then it's like, hey, let's bring it in the best part. But he doesn't. I don't know if he offers much anymore at this point. Like to me, it would have made I expected him full on to die um, in that reveal scene in the cemetery. Yeah, because they had Busey like going in there. I was like, oh, he's going to die. And then when he didn't die, I was like, oh. And then it was just like, hey, I'm going to periodically pop back up to monologue some more. And even though it's like your performance is good, you're they're just having you reiterate the same thing. Yeah. This is the thing that could be cut. So yeah. that was almost like that was the difficulty where I'm like, man, if, if you're not going to cut him, weave him in more, like get him more in, get him more involved in the plot. So it's not just like, hey, I'm a distraction. Bam. <laughs> it comes up. Hey, I'm a foil. And he's like, easily yeah. dismissed. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, one thing that was, was cool is when... Okay, so there's this thing where... Um, right after Ray dies, Peter Dobson, he, he's one of the... Um, like, when... Okay, so when Michael J. Fox, when he goes to their house to do the, the exorcism, right? After he, um, he runs into his fence that night, he comes back because he got his ghost pals. 
yeah. to, to haunt that. And I really like that aspect of it, where they come in and like they have like the, it was so dumb where they have like the turkey walking down the hall <laughs> and stuff. Well, and, and that's the thing. That's another thing where I'm like, okay, if it was more that, mm-hmm. like that kind of humor, pick a lane. That's that's another movie I would have enjoyed. Yes. Like absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It was dumb, but it was funny and and they lift the bed and stuff. And so because you can over do that dumb night. funny without it being like lowest common denominator dumb yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he comes he comes over that night, and I really like the fact that like Ray is he's just like he's so not on board with this. He's like he does not yeah. believe him, and he's like, oh, this guy's screwing us. But at the same time, and he can't really deny that like a turkey walked down your hall, and like, like how could he have made the bed <laughs> levitate? Right? Like he, the, you yeah. can't, you know. And that's that was always the thing with like Ghostbusters, where they're like, oh, they're just uh, they're just mass <laughs> mass drugging the entire city, <laughs> and they're, everyone's for some reason having the exact same hallucination. Like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like the the amount of amount of money it would take to <laughs> dose people on that scale, like it doesn't make any sense. Well, they're too busy also, paying it, the rent for their damn uh, you know firehouse. <laughs> and somehow, uh, and somehow, you know, change reality that everybody can ha- hallucinate the same thing. Yeah, the same destruction that's, of property. <laughs> like, that's, what, you're just like, that building is still thing. down, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. So he, so, um, so after he does the exorcism and stuff, like, uh, he sees, like, right before he leaves, he sees, like, golden numbers in Ray's forehead. Yeah. I think it was, like, 38 at this point or something like that. So, um, yeah, because then someone else was 39, and then uh, whatever her name is. She's 41, uh, I think, or 40. I thought she was, yeah, she was 40, because then the news lady was 41. Mm, yes, correct. Um, yeah, so he's like, well, what's that about, right? Because he knows about Bartlett. He knows that his wife was found with the number 13 in her head. I don't know. I don't understand, like, given the fact that he can see ghosts, why he wasn't like, oh, this mass murder. He got to number 12. There's my wife. There's a 13 carved in her head, just like every other. Like, do you think that he would have put that together a bit sooner? But um, they. Uh, but at that point in the movie, they, they, again, that's the thing where I'm like, there's so many. I don't want it to be like, I don't like the movie. I did enjoy it. But it was, it's almost like a case of, I wanted so, not better, just something different. Cause there's so many, there's this kind of thing where there's like, why didn't he put it together? Was it because he was in a, like this low drunken stupor, like just ignoring stuff and just getting oh, money bottles. to survive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where yeah. it's just kind of like, cause that moment where he sees the number and then he's later realizing what it means. It's just kind of like, did you avoid it for years? Did yeah, you just, you know, he sees the scene, and I'm wondering if that's something he remembered. Because, like, later on in the movie, you see... Because you're always showing his wife laying there with the number in her head. But yeah. you never... But, like, later on in the movie, all of a sudden you see... What's her name? Um, uh, Patricia kneeling over her in the woods, carving it in her head. Yeah. And was he oh, was he also he unaware? Like, was he also unaware of the numbers? Because he was just, like, Frank and Stuart... Not, sorry. Like, Cyrus, Cyrus and Stuart... Like, was he just doing the the ghost home invasion money shakedown scheme? <laughs> was he just so involved in that mm-hmm. that he wasn't? It's like, yeah, no, there's a heart attack problem here. Yeah, like, maybe I he... see I see ghosts and I get them to help me get money from gullible people. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I mean, the heart attack thing is like weird. Like, I, I wouldn't imagine he would make that connection between him uh, between the heart attacks and Bartlett. But seeing his wife at the number 13, not no, remembering no, no. anything. Like yeah. that to me would be sort of like, dude, come on. But like, I, do, do you dwell on that or at least show him dwelling on that? Like, why? Yeah. What's Maybe going on? It, right? Like, may, I, I found the moment where he saw because he saw him st- the, the gears start to turn. 
maybe it was just a case of he hadn't seen any numbers between 13 and that. And then it's just like, is this just some weird ghostly thing that happens occasionally? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So my thing is like, so he's lived in the town, I assume his right. whole life, right? So he yeah. must know, like, I think most people know. I mean, the only reason Lucy didn't know was because they just moved to town. But everyone knows about Bartlett. Everyone knows that he carved the numbers. Everyone knows that he got 12, right? So when Michael J. Fox wakes up and he can now talk to spirits. Right. Uh, and he knows that his wife had the number 13 carved in her head. Right, right. You think that he would start being like, why? <laughs> fair, fair. You it, know? it could have just been like he felt responsible because he was drunk. Maybe he wasn't sure what he saw. I don't know. It, it would have been yeah, it much. Could, I would have much me. preferred them to spell it out. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing about movies. You have to, if don't necessarily even tell me, just show me, right? Like, that's the whole <laughs> thing about movies. Movies aren't supposed to tell you. Like, exposition is lazy, almost in every sense, right? Like, it's, you got to show people. Um, and that's, and that might, that might require trimming the fat, right? In a movie, that might, you got to be succinct. Um, a, good yeah. writing is when you show, not when you tell. That's a rule. Yeah. It's not debatable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to entertain arguing about this. But yeah, so, and here's whoa. where I'm going to debate you. <laughs> where, and so, okay. I so think you can show. It. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, you can show by two people. Like it doesn't have to like. like okay. For instance, oh, no, we're no, talking no. about Ninja Turtles. Yeah. When the the kids going to go into the warehouse with everybody, and he stops, turns around, runs back to Raphael, and they just have this purely expositional conversation, which is unnecessary. Like you could have oh, shown yeah, Raphael, no. like. Looking over the car like he's oh, watching. He abso- knows what's going absolutely. on. Absolutely. It's there's stuff like that, where, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. I was just going to say there's times where it's like, even if you don't show it, if you just have the scene mm. of him telling us, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that mm. if it's acted well enough and if it makes yes. sense. Like, if it makes sense. In, in his, like, he's distressed and it's just like he's now putting it all together. Yeah, it's, it's just, these two characters already knew everything, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, for time about T, oh, for time about TMNT, yeah, those two characters knew everything. The only reason oh, they yeah, were talking no, no, about oh, it yeah. was for us, right? Oh, so yeah. it's like it's like if you're telling if like one character's telling another something that that character doesn't know plausibly, but we're also learning at the same time. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so the thing is like okay, so he sees the number in in, in Ray's head, and then later on Ray dies from a quote unquote heart attack, and Frank sees the procession going, so he starts following it. Right, he goes to the uh, I don't. Yeah, he goes. Wait, what does he do that? I don't know. At some point, yeah. he um, him and I Ray know are later going. He's at the funeral. Yeah, like I, he runs into Ray. Like Ray's running down the street, and he yeah. runs into him, and he explains to him that he's dead, and, and then Ray's like, "Okay, take me to my funeral, right? Like I'm gonna be late." And yeah, so they go to his funeral, and as they're walking through the cemetery, all these ghosts are coming out of uh, their graves, and Ray's like, "Oh my!" You know, he's freaking out. Like he's really freaking good. out. Yeah. Yeah, and Michael J. Fox is like, "Don't worry, they're, you know, they're not gonna hurt you." But then. As they're walking by, that's when we get introduced to Arlie Emery pl- reprising his role as the drill sergeant <laughs> from Full Metal Jacket. He comes out of this uh, this tomb, this, um, what are they called, Chris? Uh, mausoleum. Right. And he comes out and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's even saying the same lines. He's telling all of them to get back in their graves. He's like, and then he sees Frank and he just starts laying into him. Like, he, yeah. he's not a fan of Frank. Um, and... Uh, I just thought that was so cool. I really, I was so surprised when he came out. I'm like, oh, that is so neat. That's funny. And uh, so they, then they go, uh, they go in, in, into the, you know, they go to his funeral or whatever. He's being buried. And as they're, he's, he, 
I don't what does he do? He falls in. He falls into the hole as they're lowering him down. Yeah. Uh, Ray does. And then he falls through his casket. And now he's face to face with his own corpse. <laughs> he starts he's, freaking out. He's freaking out. <laughs> and so then he stands up and he's stuck in there for some reason. Because it's interesting. Apparently, like, this is a skill they learn. Uh, what? As he was freaking out, it, re- uh, it really did remind me of uh, Clone High. Where JFK, in his grief over the death of his friend Ponce, he like gets in the casket with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna lie in here with you. And <laughs> two seconds later, he opens up. Oh, <laughs> I was laying next to a dad guy. <laughs> so really, really reminded me of it. Just the guy's reactions, like freaking out that he's in his own coffin with his own body. <laughs> this is something. <laughs> Again, that's where the comedy works, and you're yeah. like, yeah. That was funny. That was it was classy. That was classy. <laughs> so he, he stands up, and it's interesting because he um this is something that Ghost and like they alluded to this earlier when um Cyrus was able to walk right through the front door of Frank's house, but Stuart he got stuck because he's so uptight, right? And he's like, yeah, loosen <laughs> up, man. And so that's why we see that now Ray is stuck like half in of his casket and half standing up in the grave, and they start putting dirt on, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, uh, the sheriff walks up to um, Michael J. Fox to Frank and. You they're having a conversation and um i, I like this i like this sheriff because he's a small town sheriff where he's like you know fair enough like the the stuff around frank's wife's death was strange but we didn't have enough evidence to to convict him mm-hmm. and it's weird because he still sort of shows like compassion and he kind of cares about frank right like it's one of those small town things where it's like hey, he's a bad guy he's a drunk maybe he beats his wife but it, we're all part of the same family right? <laughs> or something <laughs> like that and um, so the, 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 the dirt keeps like being piled on Ray and Ray's freaking out and Michael J. Fox, he's looking at him and he's like, oh crap, you know, I got to get to him before he's completely buried down there. Um, so he's not digging around in the guy's grave to pull him <laughs> out. And so he's like, hey, can you give me a sec, you know, to the sheriff? And then he turns around and then the sheriff like walks away, but he stops and he looks back and then he sees, um, Michael J. Fox like pulling the guy out. He doesn't see the ghost, but he just sees him like miming, pulling the guy out of the and grave. And then stumbling back. <laughs> stumbling back and then having an argument with him. Like throwing his hands up and looking back, and the guy's like, "Holy crap! <laughs> he's, he's definitely lost it, right?" I, I thought that this was a like crazy a cute, drunk. Yeah, it's a cute, <laughs> funny scene. Like I really I enjoyed yeah. that. All right, sir. Well, we are we are almost at our time mm. uh, for what we were going for. So, yeah. I, overall, I I did enjoy the movie. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but there's just it's this weird. It had its moments. I'd be very interested to revisit this world through either like I'd be down for Jackson doing a more serious take on it. Yes. uh, If he wanted to, or if it's through supplementary material or like be a show, a comic or whatever. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff there. The weird thing is, as much as I'd be like, I want a serious remake of it. The difficulty with that is at the same point then there's there's certain threads that are more comedic and light that would get lost. So I'm like, I give us both. Keep the original, flaws and all, mm. but, then, but then do the stuff where we can get to the more serious, intense stuff. But also, like, the another plot that, that was dangled that I'm like, world build this, like, the, the why there, like, does every cemetery have a drill sergeant? Like to keep the to keep the, the the ghosts in check, yeah. Like or or a Michael J. Fox character like walking them through this this new thing. Like 
there's so much interesting potential. Uh, Michael J. Fox's performance, I was really, really good. It was both a perfect Michael J. Fox role, but then at times I'm like, this is uh, this isn't the type of role you'd expect him to play. Mm-hmm. But then there's certain scenes where you're like, this is written for him, and then you shared before, like they had nobody else in mind. It was like we're going with Michael J. Fox for this. Yeah, and absolutely. His, yeah. His, he was probably uh, behind Jeffrey Combs. He was my favorite performance of the movie. Yeah, um, I'd say, him. Okay, so for me, it'd be it'd be um, like if I was gonna maybe not my favorite, but if I was gonna rate rank acting, it would yeah. be old lady Combs, Frank. Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. That old lady, um, she blew me away. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she was outstanding. She was and, great. And, eh? and that's the and that's the it's this movie is an interesting thing as well because you've got so many roles that are just character not not I don't want to say caricatures. But they're archetypes, they're or based on stereotypes. Yeah. But then the they've got performers within them who are lifting them above that. And that the the lady playing the old lady is one of them. Like a horror movie with a, a scary house and a possibly crazed old woman, uh, all frightened and stuff. I'm like, we we've seen this role dozens of times, but she makes it work. She lifts it. She's she's absolutely standout in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, one thing I wanted to add, I don't know if we covered it before. I don't know if I mentioned it. Uh, the, music, the score was done by um, Danny Elfman. Oh, wow. Yeah, th- this had like a lot of potential, like a lot of yeah. potential, given like the actors and the writers and, and uh, the music. I also like, got to say, that might be the most non-Danny Elfman score I can think of. Yeah. Just in the sense of when you think of Danny Elfman, as much as, as, much as he's done great stuff, he's got there's similar stuff enough where when you're listening to it, you're like, Oh, it's like Danny Elfman's doing the score. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that moment at all during this. The score was good though. Like I'm not knocking it. It was just like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 I I just, yeah. There's so much potential here. And I think it, it just wasn't like maybe, I don't know. I don't know who ruined it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say it got ruined, but it's it's a weird. It it doesn't hit the balance. But no. maybe that's a problem they had from the get go. Maybe yeah. It you know you never know. I I think this might have been one of the things where um, um Jackman maybe should have handed it off to someone else. But it could just be it's the product of its time. I mean we're talking yeah. about that we have twenty years of of um uh hindsight or, or whatever right perspective to kind of edge informs our opinion right so yeah we can look at this and be like maybe at the time this was as good as they could have done um not necessarily like visual or whatever but like just but at the same time it's i don't know man there's so many things that we've seen since then like yeah i, I think a lot of thing a lot a lot of what informs my opinion of of how serious or dark things can get is what they did with the dark knight right the dark knight and, and joker and stuff like that right. um where i'm like Oh wow! Right, like there's definitely the you need to go darker. Like you have to get gritty. You have to get realistic because that's, it's, I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it right. And like I said, like I said, like get get grittier, get more real. Um, the comedy should be incidental and maybe few and far between. If you're gonna put if you're gonna put comedy in it, make it. That's the whole thing. That is the theme. It doesn't right. just switch forty five minutes into something like incredibly disturbing, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> So With yeah, not uh, enough build up towards the incredible disturbing. There was the build up to the shift in tone, but yeah. then it's like, hey, here's the shift. But then also we're gonna drop you 
<laughs> yeah. A well, good three stories and you're not seeing that coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, like one thing I wanted to, to hit on before we go is, is uh, it was an interest, the interesting scene where, where Frank is, is a ghost and he's going after Johnny, right? And they still think mm-hmm. it's death. And Johnny has this scythe. Uh, and, and like the thing is, like that's one thing they never explained that I really wanted to ha- have explained was yeah. like, how did he get out of hell? How did he transform into death? How did he get yeah. that the scythe and stuff? And then once what happened was he's running through the cemetery and Arlie Emery comes out and he has these two like two heavy like these MG twenty fours that like no man can hold in one hand, but he's firing two of them at once <laughs> and death just slices them in half and his yeah. two halves fall down and he gets to um to Lucy in the car just as he's got his hand around her heart her heart uh and michael j fox pops up and he's like hey a-hole and the guy looks yeah. up and goes boom and he starts shooting him with yeah. the machine guns right i'm like that's a killer cool scene right yeah and and so he he's chasing them down and eventually they're like they they get like they're back in the cemetery or something or they're at the ma- mausoleum and he's shooting them and he's shooting them and then all these pieces of the grim reaper are falling off and what's left is like the the face and then the face turns into bartlett and it's sliding down this grave and yeah. it's like, whoa what a reveal what an intense scene that's really cool like and again like if the, the graphics were done right if maybe if they had different actors if the tone if everything was like they could have been very very yeah. intense right yeah and and eventually they they find like he escapes like he all the different pieces of him like melt into the the concrete and then Michael J. Fox chases him down into like a, it's like the sewer or something and he's he's Michael J. Fox now he has the scythe and he's mm-hmm. about to hit him with it and at this point Johnny is now turned into a ghost he's now johnny he doesn't look like death and he's like screaming for mercy and right as he goes to hit him he gets like he hits a block and and you're like what the heck's going on so he goes to do it again and then he gets sucked back and you realize he's being revived i'm like that's an amazing part like yeah yeah no that was that was great that was great yeah all right dude well (laughs) thank you for sending this to me and we'll we'll definitely do this again with uh with another movie down the line Mm -hmm. um I'm enjoying doing these as much as I liked the, the, the comic stuff we did with uh, Red Sun. And I do want to do that kind of thing again. What I like about a movie is it's it's easier to isolate and <laughs> focus on. And in this case, also for us, like get it to a concise time or really close to our mark. So uh, we've hit that mark. And I, at this point, it's also like we can keep talking, but I also feel like it's going to be just further expanding on what we've already said. <laughs> yeah, I can't, like, there's, I'm trying to think of scenes that I want to address or really talk about, yeah. but, I mean, like, you know, we can get in. One thing that was pr- pretty disturbing is, like, when Patricia finally sort of, like, snaps, I guess. And, yeah. you know, uh, Lucy comes and she's like, like, at this point, they still don't know that Patricia is in cahoots with the ghost or anything. The reveal was good. That, reveal was, a, was, that was a good scene. I was yeah. like, ooh, didn't she, see, and that's, that's the thing, the movie, uh, to give the movie credit as much as at points we bagged on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. One of the things that does a lot right with is it keeps adding these stuff where you're like, Ooh, I want to know more. And then yes. when it does follow through, you're like, Ooh. Yeah. It's intense, man. Because like you, you, you know, she's, uh, you know, like she, Lucy comes and, and, and she gets into a fight with the mom. Basically, she's like, no, we got to take your daughter out of here. And the mom's like, you don't know what you're talking about, right? So she goes yeah. up, and I assume she she's going upstairs to, I don't know, I don't know, maybe get the shotgun to get, yeah, get her out to of be her like, house. get off my property. Yeah, and then yeah. the daughter's like, oh, mom, don't be mad. And she chases her upstairs, and then all of a sudden, like, she comes back. She's like, oh, mother's getting ready to go. And you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, she's basically like flirting with Johnny, 
while Lucy's in the room, Lucy thinks she's talking to her. Yeah. And eventually, um, Lucy's like, okay, this is taking too long. And, and what's her name is gone to get a knife to kill Lucy with. And so mm-hmm. Lucy goes upstairs to get the, the mom. She opens the door and the mom's just been cut up. Like yeah. she's, she did. And yeah, she did. It's it was a pretty like, whoa, <laughs> this is disturbing. <laughs> this is not funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it, and that even there, where as much as I just gave the movie credit, it's also like, man, where was that the whole movie? So yes. It's, it's this weird thing of there's a lot of good there, but there's also a lot of like that's where I guess I want more. And then with the more, you can choose the distinct tones. Of what to go with, because there's the movie sets up. There's room for for the right kind of comedy Mm -hmm. uh, if if you choose that tone and keep it the whole way. Um, Something where it's like world building, where it's kind of light but also kind of dark. Like it's got a good balance, but then also the intense, dark, gritty horror. Um, what I think the thing about this movie is rede- what yeah that's what redeems it right because in and of itself it's like not a great movie you got like a five or something on IMDb or, or, or you know like it got two thumbs down from Robert like it, nobody you know it wasn't like a critical success but I think IMDb, the potential yeah, don't go with their ratings just no. because now maybe they've gotten better but at one point it was like people would negatively review the movie before it came out yes and there was a movie where I'm like this movie's bad like yeah. I know it's bad I'd, I'd vote it as bad but somehow a direct to DVD bring it on sequel has a 10 in comparison to this yeah 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 I and do that, not trust your rating system anymore <laughs> that's yeah exactly yeah it, it doesn't make sense when you got people who just sign up and review it um but it, it, it I think the thing that really redeems this movie is the, the potential it has like yeah. the, the stuff that makes you think like oh yeah. what could we do what could I see right um, absolutely there's there's this um well I think the best part of the movie um are the scenes where the flashback scenes where he's in the hospital and it's like a like it's a timepiece sort of thing a time period thing where you see like all the old like it's very intense very scary like it's 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 whoa this is not funny this is some of the darkest stuff you'd see especially in the 90s right like it it got yeah it it was um i would like to see a whole movie done like that like it was done so well like like, this is like a different movie like not only is it a different time period but like yeah it was yeah yeah absolutely all right, well, dude, I think we've uh, I think we've hit it. Um, cool. Yeah, no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm also I I also uh, I've gotten a couple text messages. I might need to go see if the guys are fixing my roof, so I got to get going. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for bringing this up, and I'm sorry if I if I'm cutting you short. I'm not trying no. to do that at all. No, no, like you said, we'll we'll just keep rehashing stuff. Perfect. All right. Well, dear listener, thank you for listening and joining us as we went into the weeds about uh, the 1996 Peter Jackson film, The Frighteners. It was it was a it was a fun experience. It was I don't want to say frustrating, like like that kind of frustrating where you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) but like that kind of frustration. But where you're like, oh, man, I could the, the kind of light frustration where you're like, this is what I like. I can see how you could have gotten this so great, but we were dilly dallying in lowest common denominator humor, or even on the comedy side where it's like, here's this not like highbrow or smart Frasier comedy, but at least it's like, here's this comedy that isn't just stupid or gross. <laughs> it's it's good enough. And it, the base is there for something that makes you feel like, Oh, I would love like it, it. It keeps you on enough to make you think about what you would do, 
if you yeah. if you had the, yeah. the you know it's not like something where you're watching you're like this is I don't even I don't have an interest in how you could do this better I don't care like it's, yeah no it really gets you yeah no there's a lot going on where even though at points I was like okay if it's this I'm gonna turn it off there was still enough where I'm like oh but there's this and I'm interested mm-hmm. so it it was a, a fun watch uh, yeah. I, that's the final summation I'll say it's a fun watch um but it's time to. I can't end. <laughs> so, it's time to move on. <laughs> it's time to. It's time to uh, roll out and end. <laughs> All right. So uh, and get back out of the weeds and back to the house. So, dear listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, you can hit us up on our Podbean, uh, onecrossradio.podbean.com. You can find us there. We have a YouTube channel. I'll add that link in. You can find us on our website, onecrossradiopodcast.com. We also recently launched a Patreon. There are three tiers if you can uh, financially support us. Um, And they range between $3 and $12. Um, Three gets us coffee, and that fuels us. Uh, seven dollars provides us breakfast because we eat it before we record because we 99% of the time record in the morning and then 12 gets us breakfast all the way from Peter Jackson's Middle Earth and that's wonderful <laughs> so <laughs> check us out oh, it's actually... <laughs> Why you... hey 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 stop stop buying the morning coffee get get off caffeine and give us that three dollars <laughs> <laughs> so we can drink coffee <laughs> so we can drink the coffee <laughs> it, it, you're giving us the stuff that fuels um <laughs> so i'll attach the link in that description uh but it's also patreon.com slash one cross radio all that being said thank you so much for uh listening and supporting and the comments they always mean a lot hope you all have a wonderful day take care and god bless my friends peace peace